Hello, hello. Thank you for joining us for Married at First Sight, season 16, episode 15. I've noticed in this episode, so much has been dragging. All of the issues that were highlighted last episode have totally continued into this episode, and there is not an ounce of resolution or progress. Something that the majority of folks on this season need to learn is forgiveness. Oh, yes. The reason we are still in these predicaments in reality is that these people cannot forgive. They can't move on at all. I would like to say the reason this pod is out is definitely because of me. I was gone basically the whole week. I left Wednesday and came back Friday tired as fuck. We pulled the shack in Kirsten. I did not go with him on this trip. And it was not a big deal. By the way, the East Coast to West Coast, like flying. Okay, as I get older, I think flying is hitting me more. It's exhausting. Because I think when I was younger, I could fly. And it didn't matter if I was flying like Guam or what, wherever. Like I could just recover relatively quickly. And I feel like now, even these flights, which in reality are kind of short relative to how long of flights you can take. My body's like, nah, I I need hydration. I need rest. Like, I cannot recover that fast. Did we tell them you got a blood clot last year? Wait, we did, right? I I think, oh, I think so. See, flying beats us up as we age. So I always like nudge him when I'm on a flight next to him. And I'm like, hey, make sure you're pumping your legs. And he got back from a cross country flight. And he was like, my arm feels really tight. And he had a blood clot. Okay. We don't know if that was because of flying or because of the donations I do. So I do do, do platelet donations, something like every two to three weeks at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, Now, that's not to like scare anyone from doing platelet donations. Definitely go do platelet donations. Incredible. Giving blood's cool and all. I get it. But there's way more people that can sit 30 minutes than can sit two hours. So if you can... You know, go do platelets, but we don't know. And it was a, what do they call it? It was, a, they it was superficial. Make, they, yeah, it was exactly. not a deep vein thrombosis. It was nothing like that. It was just superficial, hate, no problem. I do hate when they use superficial as the word because they make it seem like, oh, it's nothing. Well, it is like, nothing. Oh, but it was something. But it wasn't like blocking anything. Like, sure. it's fine. Like, you had to take no extra medicine. You had to do no therapies. I you, you personally say, only did the hot compresses once. I hear you say it's nothing, <laughs> but the fact that I could feel it and was like, yeah, I think something's up with my arm. Yeah, it was scary. Mm. Where I was going with this is... Pump your, pump your legs. Pump your legs. Stand up, do a little stretch, a little walk. Pump Yours your... was weird because like you flew and then you gave platelets like the next day. And so, yeah, oh, you're, right. you're right. We didn't know right. where it came from, but... Or is this strategy just to pop like an ibuprofen or something before you fly? I don't know. Like I don't even know. I don't, know I don't even that. know if that's valid. Like, is that <laughs> we a valid? Can't be telling like, people that. Go talk to your doctor. Like, don't <laughs> that part. Don't listen to me. Like, pump your pump your feet and like walk. That's cool. Drink some water. You're the good. The ibuprofen thing. Fine. I have no idea. I bet if you just drank more water, you you would have been fine. Maybe that's my current cross- crusade in this house right now. Get Leon to drink more than one glass of water a day. It's so bad. So <laughs> like I'm I, not even being I dramatic. Was, guys. I was so thirsty. It got to the point where I was like. I think I have COVID. I know. I was like, <laughs> drink a cup of water. And Ellie's like, You're drink fine. some water, you fucking idiot. <laughs> and I was freaking out too much. I took a test and it was totally yeah, fine. I was like, damn it. Spoiler, totally negative. Please just drink some water. <laughs> All right. Back to Married at First Sight, though. Should we just jump in? Oh, let's go. We're already there. Okay. A little bit different than usual. We usually go couple by couple. We will go in order this time because the line dancing scene happened like smack dab in the middle. Oh, I also need to give separate props to Devon Franklin. Wonderful advice this week. Had great meetings with a couple couples. I really enjoyed him on this episode. You know what I noticed about Devon? And I know, I know, I know every other expert does this because I, I see it in their scenes. Something about the way he carried himself on these con- in the in these conversations, he is like in the conversation. He's focused. Mm-hmm. He wants to listen to every word. He wants to analyze. And I know the other experts do that, but just in these scenes, I really felt that. I appreciate that he makes people admit that they're not trying. 
<laughs> I also like, I think Pastor Cal does this as well. He will pause you if he thinks you are in about, you're in the wrong. Yeah. And I like that. Call him out. Get him. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. Devon talks to Jasmine in Jasmine and Eris's apartment, but I would like to point out that she had the apartment beautiful. There were multiple plants, candles lit, flowers. She probably bought them for herself, but that doesn't matter. It was beautiful. I appreciate it. A lot of this conversation is very similar to what we talked about last week as far as Jasmine has learned that she brushes items under the rug, that she doesn't talk about what she needs to say. She is worried about other people's responses to what she says. Jasmine also pointed out that she feels like she doesn't have trauma in her life and the fact that she can't go really deep. For example, Eris can talk about something for 30 minutes and relate it back to something in his childhood, but she doesn't feel like she can go that deep. I think she's worried too much about that. Like you don't, all trauma is different. Trauma, there's all levels of trauma. It shapes you. It makes you who you are today. And the reason why you do stuff. I think bullying really affected her, but because it wasn't such a huge incident that she doesn't add weight to it. Do you find it odd that what maths or what they're trying to show as bonding? And we mentioned before, like trauma bond, we joke about it. Mm -hmm. But why do we always have to focus on the negative? Why can't we bond or celebrate people by their successes. I always thought that was interesting that we're highlighting her lack of being able to essentially trauma bond or or show her pain or what she's gone through because she hasn't had those experiences. Like, why can't we be happy for Jasmine and the life she's created? I don't know. I don't have a good answer. And that's completely fair. I also I mean, I always say I absolutely hate when couples are matched based on their trauma. Oh, you both lost a parent. You both went through this horrible incident when you were a child. I guess the the point here is that from Eris perspective, he's opening up, he's showing this very vulnerable position. And he feels like Jasmine isn't sort of engaging in that conversation. Or I guess what they got to in this episode of like, asking a follow-up question or another question. Mm -hmm. And I get that, but also these experiences, traumatizing is probably too big of a word, but how much do you want to be questioned about these moments? Mm -hmm. Like, do you really want me to go in on when your father was murdered? Like that seems like a very touchy subject that you probably don't want me to just sort of, you know, question on top of question on top of question. And like, that doesn't seem like a good moment. It doesn't, but it's a needed moment. So you are... You're married to this person. It is not dating, even though it pretty much is, essentially, for these eight weeks. But in a marriage, you would know the deep depth parts of people. And I think that this is just such an expedited process that they always want to bring it up in maybe too much. But you do need to know this about people. You need to know what has shaped them, what made them who they are. Yeah, I don't know. We don't ever talk about how successful they became and what made them want to be successful in their field and what drew them to that field. Like, I have no idea why Jasmine picked cheerleading. I've never seen a scene of Eris sort of questioning or asking her about her successes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Like, what got you in a coaching? And maybe they had that off camera because, in all honesty, maybe that doesn't make for great television, but I would like to see that. But why is it always the bad that makes for great television? Is it so we can also feel like we know the deep depths of these people? Another example is Kirsten has, from her own words, two degrees, I believe, and she became a realtor. I would like, like Shag, ask that question, like, what brought you to that journey? Mm -hmm. I mean, it might be a boring answer of like, well, the market was hot. It made sense. Okay, I get it. But it would be interesting to see her mindset of why she had degrees for a certain uh, career direction and decided to go into um, becoming a realtor. I also... Exactly. So think about in that moment of being a young adult, the crossroads of life, if you will. I think that's important to know as well, not just maybe childhood trauma. In this conversation with Devon, Jasmine talks about opening up, how she doesn't feel like she can't open up. And Devon made a really good point. All you can do is focus on what you need to say and how you're going to say it, essentially. Do not worry about how Eris is going to respond. 
And I think she needs to know that because she is so focused on him saying he'll end it or keep saying he's unattracted. She's not really talking about herself and how she feels. Also, I love that Devon spoke to Jasmine and Eris separately. I think there's a level of honesty that you can have with someone while your partner is not there, especially if you're struggling with your partner. In some ways, I can see that because when you mention something you're not happy about, your partner sitting next to you could almost seem like you're on the offensive. Yeah. And you're just trying to get your message across to the expert. Or like be right or, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. try yep. to prove yourself. Yep. Yep. Now, this is where the line of questioning comes in with Eris that I really appreciate that Devon did where he, you know, kind of gets him to admit he's not trying and that he does not see any repercussions to this not working. It was amazing to hear it from somebody in the moment, in the show mm-hmm. to say, well, you know, the thing is, at the end of this, I could just say no and I'm good. Like, like I'm done. Yeah. Devon asks. What do you feel appealing about Jasmine? He talks about her passion, having multiple jobs, that's all attractive, and also her calming presence. Devon points out that appealing is just another word for attractive. Also, I'd like to point out, we're constantly talking about Jasmine needs to open up. She needs to not care about what Eris is going to say, about how Eris needs to continue to open up and make her feel safe. That's all fine and dandy, but that's literally not their problem. Their problem, their main problem is that he's not attracted to her and we don't talk about it. 100%. Like, why do we, why are we going off on Jasmine not opening up or that doesn't even matter at this point? Something that I've noticed has been avoided or just they haven't thought of asking this question. We know you're not attracted to Jasmine, like off the jump. Is this something you can see moving past to make this a relationship. And I know his answer would be no, and it would sort of ruin their storyline. But it's fascinating that they haven't asked that. You know, sometimes they say like, what's your deal breaker? Mm -hmm. Like, what's your, what's your thing? Oh, he's bald. Like that's, you know, can't move, (laughs) can't can't move on from there. But they've never asked Eris, well, you're not currently attracted to her. Like, can you move past that? They touch on it a little bit. Thankfully he said, do you, Devon asks, do you want to become more attracted to her? He says, I do, but a person can't change that. So he's already saying that is impossible. A person cannot change that. And I disagree because I think you can become attracted to someone's mind, someone, how they act, how they are in the presence of others, how they treat you is a big one. So I refuse to believe like you, there's nothing you can do. It's impossible. If there's not immediate attraction, that's it. I do not buy that. I would agree. There's, a, there's this thing about how people carry themselves amongst family and friends and their interactions and how they, how they treat a human being. And it's like all of these things could really form love. Yeah. I think being attracted to the person matters. That's like one piece. That's one exactly. piece of the puzzle. And then, but then there's all these other pieces. Mm-hmm. And it's sad that they just focus on that one piece peace yep devon asks do you feel like you're putting in the same amount of effort into your job as you are your marriage eris says a lot can happen if i lose my job i wouldn't be able to pay rent i would lose my car and that essentially if this marriage doesn't work nothing would happen there are no repercussions he knows that and that's why he's totally not trying because he knows it doesn't matter in the end how would maths fix a situation like this that people think or they're not even think they know there's just there's just no consequences to this. Like, how can you do you? I, I don't even know, because like bonuses and all this monetary thing, I, I also hate doing that. Mm-hmm. But how do you maybe not force, but sort of push people to give a shit to try actually cast better? It's amazing, but I think they just have such limited pool. I know. I think so with how bad it's been. I think the pool is even more limited now. Sure, that is the correct answer, but they just don't have a lot of people. Man, they need need to go back down to like the three couples back in the old seasons. Oh, they can't downsize. They have to. If they're going to... We're basically downsized now. We're watching people that don't even like each other. (laughs) 
True. And Don't waste my time. We basically lose a couple these last couple seasons. Yeah, just give me back down to three couples, make it an hour. I would love that. Devon asks, how could you get there? Eris says, a deeper connection and for Jasmine to open up more. And I feel like this is a crutch that he's leaning on. Because when he was attracted and in relationships and got burned 10 years ago, I don't feel like he had such a deep connection with all these women. And that's what made him attracted to them. Eris then brings up intimacy. He says attraction isn't that big of a deal, but it's become a big deal. That made no sense. Attraction, he said it's not a big deal, but it's become a big deal? It makes no sense, and it's become a big deal because of him. Like, he fully controls this. He could make this relationship work and be better, at least better, but he's doing nothing to foster that. It's funny because when he used to be in the streets, he had so much power over, quote-unquote, you know, who he got to choose Mm -hmm. to pursue And there was this obvious initial attraction of, you know, and I'm going to go for that. Mm -hmm. It's the way we've seen him. It's incredible to witness that he's never been in a position like this. No. And obviously, you know, take away the marriage, but just like he would never put himself in a situation to date someone he was not initially attracted to. Well, even then, even if he was initially attracted to them, he knew it was just a hookup. He was not, never wanted a relationship, so he never had to work on anything or work to get to know someone. It does strike me as fascinating that it's been six weeks and, you know, these, these couples, most of them are at, you know, uh, between a two and a four out of ten, right? It's not yeah, going good. nothing. And the show is trying to put so much effort into making you believe there's still a possibility. Mm-hmm. But even putting yourself in that situation, if it's been six weeks and I'm at a between a two and a four out of 10 with this person, there's no way in hell two weeks is going to change my mind. No, no. And I can't believe we're two weeks until decision day and we're at the point that we're at. The conversation ends with Eris saying that he can verbalize his commitment to Jasmine. But we don't really see any follow-up to that. We don't see any conversation between him, him and Jasmine. So I'm hoping that's brought up a little later. We'll see. Why did Chris come out in two different types of camo, but dressed head to toe in camo? I don't know because I couldn't see him. <laughs> it's okay. Nicole couldn't either. This reminded me of the outfit you wore this morning when we were running off to the bakery. May I describe it for people? Oh, my fit was hot. Purple basketball shoes. Yep. Dark purple. Dark purple. That doesn't matter. <laughs> like almost blue. Like purple blending into blue. Let's be honest. Okay, go. Sure. Um, American flag socks up to... You can, only, you you can only see the stars. You can only see the stars. So no, it's like stars. One star, one stripe. They're okay. different. Okay. That's how they're supposed to be. Okay. Small gray running shorts. Yep. And then I didn't even look at the top because I was so distracted. D- dark blue top. <laughs> Almost at a, a darker hue than the shoes, but, you know. Oh, definitely darker than the shoes. Definitely darker than the shoes. And I but, said, can you change? And you said, nope. No, you forgot. And I'm wearing the the jacket. Oh, and a hoodie. The hoodie sweater jacket thing. Yeah. Hot. There was a lot of leg Hot. today. <laughs> Mind you, while it's pouring rain. Yeah, it's cold. It's raining. The Northwest is in perpetual gray. But I just had to point that out because I thought of Chris's outfit and then I was like, Leon also is very comfortable in what he wears. It's fine. I responded to you. This is the vibe of cross the 30 line and has no kids. This is the fit. Like we can't call it like a dad fit. No, this is the mode. (laughs) So Chris and Nicole sit on the couch together. Chris is doing his usual check-in, making sure he's doing everything okay. Asks if there's anything else he can do to make Nicole happy, comfortable. And this is where Nicole kind of loses me. She explains that she doesn't really want space when she says she needs space. If she's like off in a room just sitting by herself and she doesn't know how to process her emotions, even if she says she wants space, she doesn't want space in that moment. But if she says she does want space and she means it, then he does need to give her space. I get what Nicole is saying. This is just my perspective. And I feel like you are in some type of way similar to me 
this is super unattractive to me. <laughs> this is yes. some weird kid shit, like teen, late teen. Uh, no. I need attention. Like, I don't even know. It's not that far to me. It, to me, it's so unattractive because you know this about yourself. You actively know this is an issue. True. And you will not, like, you're making other people work around you. True. True. Even though, like, it's not something that someone should know because it's very confusing. Like, you shouldn't have to break out a decision chart to figure out if you need to comfort your wife. Like, you know this about yourself. Maybe change your attitude towards it and just say, hey, I need help processing this versus, okay, if I go into the room and sit in this chair, I need you to do this. Was this in some way a reference to I want to be chased? Like, I want someone to come for me. Maybe. I didn't think of it that way. I just think it's more, I don't even know, (laughs) to be honest. I'm trying to think of, like, what it could mean, but maybe it is that. It's just not for me. Like, if you know that about yourself and know it may not be that healthy, I think that's a great thing to work on. To me, it translates to, I'm going through things. Leave me alone. Oh, you didn't come see me. You don't love me. I'm like, ugh. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just was not a fan. Yeah, me neither. And honestly, Chris looked fucking confused. He said he was confused. He was like, wait, can you clarify? Yeah, I hope that she does not make him go through that. But then that. it got worse because she did two different definitions of, if I say, please, I need some space, <laughs> that means I need like, some space. Like, really? Like, really. But if I don't add the please, that means come help me out. Mm-hmm. Not for me. Yeah, not for me as well. Oh, and she does say she needs more validation and assurance. And if you're not interested, there's the door. Zero to 100. I'm about to break off this marriage. Like, (laughs) I don't know why this was said. It felt very out of nowhere. Imagine saying that to your spouse who's sitting down being like, I want to support you. Let me know if there's anything else I can do. And you being like, there's the door. Very zero to 100. I heard another podcast say they're not even convinced she said it at this moment because there was no, like it wasn't on camera. It was said while the camera was on Chris. So, I mean. Did not even catch that. I didn't either. And so. Good find, whatever pod that was. I believe that was Alter Call. Okay. So, good good job, Alter Call. Our friends, they don't know we're friends yet. Good breakdown. (laughs) Then we see Shaq's mom calling Kirsten. Immediately way over the line. Moms do not do this. It is not. It's just stepping over a boundary that doesn't need to be crossed. So Shaq's mom is calling Kirsten. She wants to know what's going on. Kirsten says she wants to know how to better support Shaq. That he's super stressed right now. And mom straight away says, you're not supporting him the way he needs to be supported. And she brings up Memphis. So moms can't get over Memphis as well. I think Shaq really poured his heart out to his mom. I I can see that. And then this is the repercussion of that. Kristen explains that she apologized and that she has been there for him since. She sends him affirmations throughout the day since that's something he really likes. And mom will not be fooled. So it doesn't sound like it. We watched the episode at different times. And you gave me a little insight on this scene. And immediately I thought, Shaq's mom and me are on the same vibe and we will not be fooled. Yeah, no, it's all a facade. Even though I call out Kirsten every single week, this is crossing a line. So you're not, yeah, the the parents getting involved? Yeah, no, no. I say this every single season. I think on every single show about relationships we cover. Do not bring your friends and family into your relationship problems. Now, I don't mean lie to them. I don't mean to not say the truth to sugarcoat stuff. But if it's like a minor thing or something you're going through that you're working towards resolving, I just think it's so much headache to have people involved in your relationship and have opinions and then want to talk to your partner about it. Not a good idea. I would agree. And I think you're right. If it's obviously if it's something that is very, I don't know, If it's serious and you're like going to end this, like, of course, I mean, bounce that off people, pick a trusted friend, but I wouldn't tell too many people, maybe just 
Like you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't trust. vent to a friend that I didn't join you in Memphis for a work trip. Well, I mean, this wouldn't be an issue for us at all, <laughs> considering I didn't just join you. What if my mom called you and said you're not being a good husband? I would. You know that that those scenes where the camera is just pounding away from you and like <laughs> zooming out, like boom, 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 like, and you're getting smaller and smaller. I'd be like, why? I'd be like, what? <laughs> did i do my mom's tiny and petite but she'll lay down the law <laughs> and then if your mom called me i would be so insulted that you talk badly about me to your mother oh 100 yeah i would be so insulted like i would be respectful to your mother because that is my in-law but to you then i'd be like what did you tell your mother and then we'd fight over that <laughs> that would yeah. make it so much worse yeah, just the way our relationship is, that would like never happen. No, but if it did, I would be very uncomfortable. Then we see a scene of Clint and Gina hanging out, talking, enjoying each other's company, cooking together. One of my favorite things in the world. And there's nothing here. Okay. I mentioned this to you because, you know, Gina and Clint are not vibing, not into each other. Okay. Wait, right before you say this. No, no, no. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. Okay. Go. Clint is making what Gina called essentially a pretty fire meal. Mm -hmm. Now, this man is making dinner. You know, he just got home from work. You know, maybe he got some wine, some whiskey, whatever. How is this woman not attracted to Clint? <laughs> I, how, uh, I'm team Clint now. How I, I have many to say men it. in this world would not be doing this? I mean, it takes more than that. But all I'm saying is Clint's a nice guy. He's corny, which is corny funny. And he cooks and he cooks like all the time. She says a like a bunch of different shit. I he's nice to your dog. He's not like just making mac and cheese. He's making no. like different meals. Like it takes more than just cooking, but like he's an overall good guy and he cooks like that's very attractive to me. I think to a lot of women, to a lot of men, their partner being a good person, fun, spirited and cooking. I think as a human, you're like, oh, it's so cute. They provide. Okay. Do you notice that? Gina tried to backtrack when she said, oh, I just, I'm so busy that I just tend to order or something like no, that. No, no, She said that she doesn't cook for one because she's just wasting money at this point. And I was like, that is a big fat lie. I know. It's such a lie because when you cook for one, you have leftovers. You eat it for lunch the next day or, or, or lunch and dinner. If you made a huge meal, I don't Sunday know. Sunday food prepping. Like, for example, like I cook while you're out of town the whole time. I didn't order once. But I don't then, know. I like but a then home the future, meal. the future, or excuse me, later in the episode, she kind of alludes to like, oh, I don't know how to cook, and I'm just <laughs> like, like no. oh, okay, now is you don't know how to cook, or you, or you're not trying to waste money. <laughs> <laughs> girl, Gina, there is nothing wrong with ordering out. You do you. You're oh, a you busy do you. girl. Like, I don't know how to cook either. I'm not trying to show shade that way. I just want you to be honest. <laughs> then we go for drinks and line dancing with all the couples. Okay, I can tell where the producer questions are. Eris and Nicole were clearly picked out to ask a few leading questions. The problem is Nicole t always takes it to a level it doesn't need to be, and particularly way too much this episode. I can't be upset because the couples don't seem upset, but if I was there, I would be very annoyed. It seems like production found out early on if we're going to have someone lead a conversation, it's going to be Nicole. Oh, she's down. And I think she forgot that she has been married just as long as all these people. The difference is her husband's willing to do anything she asks. Well, you, you know, there's always a couple on the season that it's going well. So they just become the experts, quote unquote. My favorite is when Justin and Alexis were the experts a lot of the time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a throwback. <laughs> it's not even that long of a throwback, but still incredible. These seasons are so long, it feels like a throwback. Okay. The way the level of power couple they displayed early on and the way they looked at like, oh, that couple's fucking up. Oh, we're good. Girl, you and me are good. I know. You and me are good, good. Not good, oh, good. No. Bad, no. bad. <laughs> you know, honestly, I am a little scared for Nicole and Chris. Oh, oh, I said it my on Twitter. Like, it's not sus sustainable for him to just, like, serve her. No, I mean, I think it's going to be a yes, but they're going to be that couple that, oh, reunion. We're not together anymore. Oh, no, they'll be. Uh, okay. No, right. no, all not right. them. All right. 
It might take a few years, but they're going to be together by reunion. Okay. Also, I say that, but I'm super confident in Nicole. She was very, how do I say? Like she moved around a lot to make Chris happy. That is true. So I if mean, she okay. knew that Giving- Chris was upset or needed something or he wasn't feeling how she was acting, like he would, or excuse me, she would take care of that. True. And giving up your fur baby is a big fucking deal. For someone you've known for three days. Big deal. True. So Nicole starts a conversation talking about how the girls talked about their feelings, how they're not comfortable maybe always expressing that in front of their husbands. And Jasmine opens up about kind of the moment she had with all the girls at their last get together. Nicole says to Jasmine and Eris, I know you're trying, but you need to try harder. I don't, mm, I wouldn't feel comfortable being put on blast by another cast member. Yeah, not for me. Expert, I might have to call her out. Expert is one thing. Nicole, sit your ass down. You're not putting me on blast. I know. I might have to just be like, oh, how long have you been married? Oh, the same as me. Got it. Okay. I'm way more pressed than anyone else on that cast. <laughs> also, what skin do you have in my marriage that I need to try harder for you? You know what's odd? The, the thing that makes it even worse to say to someone is because we've seen that Nicole is struggling with things from her past. Yeah. And you know, she's working through them and it's she's trying to not let that impact her relationship. But then to not have the foresight to think that other people are dealing with their own issues, mm-hmm. but then you just decide to call them out to try harder. Yeah, like it's just it's, it's not that easy. It's not good. Chris speaks up and says, the worst thing you can do is internalize it. We'll build and build and build. Clint opens up about his friend that took his own life and no one knew what was going through his head, what he was struggling with. Chris also opens up about going through something similar with his friend as well. Shaq opens up about being that guy, how he felt like he was suffering in silence and no one saw him. He realized he needed therapy and has gotten the help that he needs. Nicole talks about if there's anything that ever comes up, please reach out to one of us. Utilize your wife. She's amazing. And I know she wants to be there for you. Nicole's really, you know, reaching over to Kirsten, really giving her a very easy way to let her say that she supports her husband. And the only thing Kirsten can say is, sure. I want to give Kirsten the benefit of the doubt and just think, At that moment in time, it seems like everyone was sharing pretty deep feelings, emotions, history. Maybe you just don't know the right way to react. And in some ways, maybe you don't want to say the wrong thing. But sure? Sure is not it. I mean, no. Yeah, I agree. It was was a pretty bad look. It was a pretty bad look. You could have said anything else and it would have been better. You okay? Let's say what word answers. If you really couldn't come up with anything, you could have said absolutely. Okay. There's so many other words. Here, no, if we no, had to use one word, my devil's advocate. What are the chances Kirsten wasn't listening? And when they looked at her, she <laughs> said, "She said her hands on her hands on Shaq's back, and she says, sure. Oh, that's a high possibility. I didn't think of that. Honestly, you're probably right. Like, she didn't even mean it malice. I'm just saying, you've been in group situations. You're talking. Friends are going back and forth. Some point in the conversation, you kind of check out. You're staring at something. (laughs) Maybe a server dropped a drink over there, and you're kind of just zoning out. And then someone looks at you, and it's on you to talk. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) Happens to everybody. Okay, I could honestly What are the chances this happened to Kirsten? I think doubt. very high, honestly. Benefit very high. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's sorry. always on point with her little fake voice. I know, right? She knows how to answer things. Like we've seen her. She's been pretty on point. I don't know. This is a little <laughs> too far out, out of left field for her to just say sure. And like, I think she just wasn't listening. <laughs> okay. I can get on board with that actually. Cause it was a real bad answer. Like she wasn't listening. Your boy Shag wasn't having it though. No, immediately gets up, immediately. walks out. She has to follow him. And this is where we get the weird far away camera scene that I didn't really know what to make of. They go outside, they're talking. Shaq explains that he wasn't okay because of the comment Nicole made and that Kirsten had nothing to say about it. Another wife spoke on her behalf and she didn't have anything to say. Kirsten tries to say that she didn't get a split second to say anything and that's 
not true because she had the ability to say sure. And so she could have said anything else within that moment. Kristen says, just because I'm not right beside you doesn't mean I'm not there for you. Shaq explains that this is no longer a want. It is a need. And Shaq explains that when he was in Memphis, he found out that he wasn't going to be graduating on time. I have a question. Yes. We get it. Kristen didn't join you in Memphis. You were kind of bummed out. But when he mentions this, now I'm thinking, are you more bummed out about the trip or that your dream of graduating at this certain point in time isn't going to happen? Let's imagine this man's been preparing for this for years and he thought this year, this moment in time, I'm graduating PhD. Let's go. Also, if you're not graduating, does that mean like you didn't turn an assignment? Something wasn't accepted? Like, what are the reasons that you won't be graduating? Oh, I don't know. PhD is so different. Like, did somebody review your final submission and was like, nah, so you don't get to graduate? Well, you have to defend your thesis, your dissertation. But what if you don't? Yeah, what happens if that's what I'm wondering? Like, did he have it and it scored low? I, I don't know how close to graduation that happens. What I'm saying is I'm sure that hits hard. Mm-hmm. So is a lot of this pent up energy, is that more, is that about the trip or more about this news that you're not going to graduate on time, which in reality, if you think about it, sets you back in your, if you're a planner, like your dream of like being married, uh, life after school, all this stuff, mm-hmm. you're kind of set back in your timeline. I think he is more upset about the graduation thing, but he's taking out that frustration on her, and that's not fair at all. It's just a bummer that we get that news now. Yeah. After we've seen so much. It explains his real moodiness recently. Mm-hmm. His, mm-hmm. He's not smiling at all. Very upset. It explains it a little bit more. I would be the same way, honestly. But he cannot take that out on Kirsten. It makes it... The way he's been sort of uh, somber or down mm-hmm. or not smiling, a bit odd considering your boy's gotten past third base. Okay, so let's, he hit the home run. We're assuming it's paint night, right? Sure. He's back up to bat and nothing's happening. Mm. There's a delay of game. The rain is moving in. Is the game being delayed? I mean, the PhD was delayed. Everything is delayed. Interesting. They kind of argue a little bit again about the Memphis trip. He said he was straightforward. He made arrangements. He booked the hotel. Kirsten says he wasn't, he didn't act like he cared enough, which is so weird. Like, I get what she's saying. Because when you're going on trips, I'm like, you didn't invite me, even though it's like always an open invitation. I know what she means by that. But at the same time... I don't see why, man, I just wish we knew what this trip was for. Because if it's just another regular work trip, does she have to be there? Like, I need to know the significance if there was one. Also, are his work trips just like recruiting trips? Do you just like go to high schools and like promote your university? It kind of sounds like it. Like you're trying to get people to come to the university, right? You're in admissions, Mm -hmm. you're recruiting. I don't know. Are you trying to put off this? I have everything. Here's my wife. It's like you're showing off the whole picture. Is that what he's trying to put oh, off? Could be. Could be sort of the, the success that uh, college or university can bring in someone's life. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very salesman approach. Yes. Interesting. I think that's what it is because why else does she need to go? It's go not to- her fault she wasn't there and you're not graduating on time. It's like, go to college, get a beautiful wife. Yeah. Hmm. They finished their argument. Kirsten asked for a hug, and it was the worst hug I've ever seen in my life, followed by a really crummy peck on the lips. They go back in, and Kirsten explains that there are miscommunications on Shaq's work events. She says that I'll just take the initiative from now, put it on my calendar, and go to all of them. Okay, defending Kirsten a little bit, She is a realtor. I mean, the times where you're the most busy is on the weekends Mm -hmm. when people are not working to go view homes. Mm -hmm. So it is also kind of odd that you want me to go on work trips, but like I also have to work. I get it. And to go back to your point of it's an open invitation in their view, it is different. We mentioned this last time. They only have two months. So any moment in time you could spend together is really important. Mm -hmm. Really important. And I did want to bring this up. Kirsten is moving the goalposts week by week. 
Do you remember the first issue? We need to be together. We need quality time together. True. Well, you he expects you to go on these trips and you didn't go. Is that not your expectation now? Now we're moving on to, oh, he has to be assertive. We got quality time down. He has, she, he has to be like my dad. I don't know. I just don't like, I mean, I don't even feel like the quality time was even addressed. You know, it's interesting. The fact that I know they've consummated the marriage gives me a different perspective on the way they communicate. Because at some point I thought, I kind of still think Kirsten is not in this. But I also don't think she would go through with that action unless she kind of had positive energy about yeah. this. So I don't, I get what you mean about moving the goalpost, but I don't think it's coming from like a bad light. Like I don't think she's doing it to push Shaq away. Mm. And the, the reason I say it is because I don't think they would have consummated the marriage. No, if she and was I really think she was that. into the moment. Mm-hmm. I think the painting helped them become comfortable together, but I just feel like every time, every other week, there's just a new issue that she needs from him. But also him holding this against her for so long is so unfair. Like, do you actually need anything in the relationship or she just has to endlessly support your work? So you don't expect me to go on all of your work trips? No, not at all. And depending on what's going on, obviously quick turnaround trips, probably not. Longer trips, they're more of like, hey, would you like to go? Especially if the destination is kind of a little bit more exotic, a little bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would probably say, yo, you should come through. We're both foodies. Like, look at all this, you know, look at all these places. Like, I would definitely be inviting you. That's how my work trips are as well. So like when I would go to Texas for an overnight trip, no, no expectation for you to go. But let's say we're going to Orlando. Orlando and I extend my trip. Obviously, we're gonna go to Disney. Obviously going to Disney World or New York Universal. Or, yeah, yeah. And then New, those New are York. the ones you extend. <laughs> yeah, New York's another one. I mean, just these these areas we just don't get to go to a lot, but there's so much to do. I would definitely we would invite each other. I don't know. Maybe we show support in other ways. I think Shaq needs it because he wants to paint the picture of a happily married man, finishing school, higher education, all that good stuff. And I'm wondering if, I mean, she says she asks questions about his school and his paper and all of that. So, I mean, she's doing the right stuff in that point. So I try to think like, how do I show you support when you're on a trip and you have a presentation, something you've been preparing for? I always ask you about it and ask how it's going, what you're doing to prepare. I do ask if I can join secretly on WebEx and you always tell me no. (laughs) Ask for pictures, ask for video of the presentation. I don't know. I think she's doing the right thing. She's asking the questions. Something else I think we do a good job of that I think would have probably helped ease things over in this moment. I think we both sync up pretty good when we are on these work trips because, you know, when we're in the same state, same city, right? Like we communicate fairly frequently, Mm -hmm. but when we are in these moments, like it's kind of more okay to spread your communication a little bit, right? Like, Hey, I realize you're busy. Like it's, it's not a big deal if you don't ping me like every hour, whatever. Exactly. But, but I think he needs that. Right. Because, well, they're also not at that stage yet. That's true. Like if, if Kirsten gave him a little bit more, communication to help him out during the trip maybe that could have helped yeah right like i'm still i am still engaged in what's going on Mm -hmm. even though i can't be there it's a bummer that it it turned out this way hopefully it doesn't um you know lead to no's on decision day even though i think they will be no's yeah i think so too Um, but obviously for you know fans of love yes we want them to be yeses uh we'll see how that shakes out Kristen brings up that she needs Shaq to be assertive and say where and when he wants her to go. Eris asks, what if he said, pack your shit, you're going. And she said, I did say I need direct and that's direct. I would immediately be like, no, I'm not going now. (laughs) Again, I don't think, I don't think this is honest. Do you really see, I mean, anyone really like responding well to that? Well, okay. The past couple of weeks, The thing I'm noticing with Kirsten is I feel like she loves, like, a toxic masculinity. Oh. So I feel like she would like that. 
or maybe that's what she's used to as someone being that direct. I have a feeling that Eris and Shaq could have been flipped. They could have. And like, this might have worked out better. Maybe. I don't know if she'd be attracted to Eris, but he would be very attracted to her. Well, Shaq's fairly tall, right? I don't know. I mean, like over 5'11". Maybe. I don't know. Eris is shorter, though. I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm just thinking of what people's like deal breakers are. And maybe that was like one of Kirsten's. Well, Kirsten said no bald head. And here where we, here is where we are. Hmm, true. <laughs> so okay, I don't know I, how I they that, I take that all back. Okay, no, no, I hear you. I hear you. Bases are brought up again. And Kirsten says that they're on second, trying to deal, steal third to get a home run. Shaq's face looks super annoyed. They kind of have a little squabble about, yeah, take initiative. Yeah, be assertive. And then he does reveal that they have consummated the marriage and have been wanting to keep it secret as long as they can. Noting that it has been a while. I assume paint night was it. Was it wild that after that was revealed, just the sea of positive energy and celebration for a couple. It was a lot. I was happy for them too. I wasn't cheering though. (laughs) Who knows? I mean, I wonder in their eyes, it had been six weeks. I mean, that's a really long time. For them not to advance. So it it was interesting to see that much. Or I was happy to see that level of celebration for their friends to move on to the next stage of their relationship. Yay. Someone progressing. Oh, um, (laughs) oh yeah, for sure. Um, I'll take anything I can get. Yes. Then we move on to line dancing. Everyone is having a good time. Everyone is dancing with their spouse. And there's a moment where Jasmine and Eris are standing off to the side And the instructor basically makes, I don't know if makes is the right word, but she motioned for Eris to dance with her. He did. And that was a mistake in the moment that him and Jasmine are in. And that that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Jasmine leaves, storms out. Jasmine goes after her. What are your thoughts? One, I, I don't think the instructor was trying to do anything bad. I think the instructor was just trying to get more people to dance. Agreed. I don't think Eris, I was, I'll agree with Eris. I don't think he's attracted to the instructor at all. Mm. Like, I, I, that's weird to say. Why would you say that? No, I mean, I know it's weird (laughs) to say because that's what she's thinking. So he's like, no, like, I'm not attracted to this. That's what Jasmine is thinking. Okay. But he's still in the wrong. No, I, I, I agree he's in the wrong. Way before this moment even happened, everyone's dancing and they are just standing there. I mean, it just goes to show how much he's really not into Jasmine. Like, everyone's dancing. Even if it was like a friend, you'd be like, hey, do you want to dance? Like, let's get on the dance floor with everyone else. Like, you would just do that. And they're like, they're separated. They're not close to each other. They're not snuggling or anything. I mean, it was pretty cold looking. So the, it was the, cold. the instructor was kind of like, hey, you want to dance? What Eris should have done is done a couple steps with her and then asked Jasmine to dance. Or going up to her and just start dancing with her. Like, there should have been, like, a quick disengage. I mean, even if you were even if you were engaged with your wife, the instructor's not going to come over and well, ask you yeah. to dance. The but instructor like, should ask Jasmine to dance. That would have been the better option. Mm, mm, true. True. Yeah, I, I definitely, Eris is definitely in the wrong. They go outside and Jasmine asks, what the hell was that? And Eris proceeds to word vomit everything that could come to his head i'm sorry i apologize she was showing me a dance move you know i'm an awful dancer you saw it i was awful she's not even my my type i'm acknowledging your feelings and how you feel i know it looked bad i'm not diminishing your feelings like it just went on and on like we went so many areas (laughs) it's wild that is what he said and when you put it that way it sounds so much worse it was just word vomit everywhere. It was anything that he could come up with. Not even my type. Uh, you know, I'm not diminishing your feelings. I am acknowledging how you feel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no, the way, honestly, the way I picture Eris is just someone that's immature. Yeah. The way he handles some situations, talking with the experts, but then it almost seems like he's really not hearing them. He, he continue. He always it's weird because in these social interactions with other group members, I always feel like he's the least mature. Like he's always asking or saying just the randomest things that wouldn't be okay. He's also the funniest. I mean, yes, but 
it, it just, that leads back it to just the wouldn't fly. Like, you know, bats are going to be, backs are going to be blown out yeah. when they're meant to be blown. I'm like, dude, bro, you're like a four year old man. Like you need to sl- <laughs> slow down, man. Slow down a little bit. They get into a production van and they are out of there. We see a overhead kind of spy cam of their house and he is sleeping on the couch. Which is interesting because there's two rooms. That's what I was wondering. But we only really have confirmation that Gina and Clint Mm, are two bedrooms, right? Was that the only way she would move in and production got them a new apartment? Oh. And everyone else is really one bedroom? Oh. I have no idea of that. I'm oh, hey, <laughs> just throwing it out I mean, there. It could be. I don't know. I think there's there's probably two rooms, and this is kind of one of those things where you have to sort of suffer to, uh, you know, get the relationship back. Okay, I have to give you guys like a glimpse into our marriage. We've only gone to bed mad at each other like a handful of times. It's super rare. But Mind like, you, this isn't like 15 years. There's no way I'm banishing you to the couch. You would have so much fun. Let's, we are not we're not here for fun yo the the video games are down there the big tv <laughs> the couch is comfy yeah no it'd be too much fun it's not even a punishment the punishment is you have to stay in bed with me <laughs> so dr pepper meets with jasmine and eris it seems like the next day jasmine gives a rundown of how she felt last night what happened And Eris talks about how he's aware, he's conscious, he knows how she felt. But after thinking about it, he did not like that she stormed out and caused a scene. I think it was fine. He always talks about wanting her to call him out, him causing, or excuse me, her causing a scene, quote your fingers, was her last straw and calling him out. So she's doing what he likes, apparently. But he's switching it up now. I think it was calling him out not in the way he would expect or not in the situation he would see himself called out on. Well, too bad. (laughs) No, no. Like she was over it. it. I get it. Dr. Pepper gives them an out. Totally says, are you done? And they should have said yes. I'm amazed they didn't say yes. Eris says that he sees a possibility. He understands why they were matched. And he wants the good moments to last longer. Two more weeks. Yes, just two more weeks. Jasmine says that Eris has reassured her tonight that he is still in this. So she is as well. When did he reassure her by just saying that? Like, he knows why they were matched. Like, that was it. And she was so happy. It's like, you'll take at this stage, you'll take anything. Eris has set the bar so low, and Jasmine is meeting him there. We find out that Eris doesn't text his wife at all. If she does not text him, he does not text her all day. It's not a relationship. Like, it's not going anywhere. This man works in IT. He has time. Oh, he has time. For yeah. sure. Like, you don't need to be setting no alarms to communicate with your wife. I understand why Dr. Pepper said that, but it's so unromantic. Like, you should want to talk to your partner. You should, okay, sure, you're not attracted to her, but you are trying to say you want to build this. So that is a step you would make willingly, not because someone's telling you to set an alarm. Your actions are clearly showing you're not, you're not doing anything to build a relationship. And imagine after this, he still doesn't text her. Like, what, what more clarity do you need? It'll, it'll last, you know, like half a day. But you're more hopeful than I am. <laughs> also, when they come in, when he comes in after work, he's going to try to hug her now. Usually he just says, what's up? When Dr. Pepper said, oh, maybe a hug or a kiss, he said, yeah, I can do a hug. Dr. Pepper, this is six weeks in. We're, we're barely getting to hugging? Yeah, he couldn't even say a kiss, kiss on the cheek, nothing. Like, what? <laughs> It's, it's, in, it's wild to me that we're putting these folks through this. Yep. They should have just taken the out. Kirsten and Nicole go lingerie shopping, but this doesn't really... Doesn't really do anything. It doesn't. No. Like, I understand Nicole's working on loving herself, which is awesome. And then Kirsten was showing her how to kind of do a little sexy dance and kind of be more open. But the stage everyone is in, it doesn't really relate to too much. Then Dr. Pepper meets with Clint and Gina. Can I point out that Hank loves Dr. Pepper and it was so cute. 
Hank loves Clint too. Yes, very much. They need to work out shared custody after this because I refuse to believe that Hank and Clint will no longer be friends. So Dr. Pepper asks, do you have friends that you love? They both agree. Absolutely, there are. She relates that to basically the foundation of their relationship, how this could become more. Gina talks about needing support and knowing that she's doing a good job. She says affirmation in specific ways. Clint says that he wants something not expected, something special as long as it takes time out. For example, setting the house up special. Dr. Pepper asks, how about cooking a meal? And Gina says, meals are Clint's thing. So I wasn't even willing to entertain it. Oh, no. no, I'm not doing that. No, not, not even like I'll cook one meal a night. It was one just meal a, ever. It was just a no. Nope. Thanks, Gina. <laughs> I love Gina. I love the energy, but I just wanted you to be honest. Yeah, just like, I don't be like, I don't know how to cook. I don't like cook. Clint would try. I mean, he says things every now and then we're like, oh, that's cute. But there's like nothing from Gina. If Gina would open up and try a little bit, I fully think Clint would be on board. Is it too rude to say I can see why Gina hasn't been married? I mean, it's like, what are your qualities? <laughs> like oh you're, you're, no, I mean, you're wrapped up in your business. You don't yes. have time for people self-admitting. Okay. Bring up the time thing. And I forgot I wanted to mention, like, I don't think this was a good time for Shaq to be on maths. I mean, even, yeah, Gina as well, right? Yeah, like you're, like you're doing your business. Like it's, what he's you, trying you to go through if school. Met some, if you met someone that wanted children relatively mm-hmm. soon, like Clit's mom said, like the first like couple years of my business, I was like mm-hmm. super busy. Like what yeah. if, which is interesting timing too with Gina's age of like, if do you want kids? Cause I like, don't think she wants kids. Right. And like she's never mentioned them is what I'm trying to say. Well, and then what, I'll, what I'm getting to is also like, well, if there's, prospective partners and they want kids it's kind of like well it's not going to happen so that's that's a no like you're not going to you know keep going i have hope though very little that maths would match people that do or don't want kids Mm -hmm. but we've heard clint say he wants kids yeah which means gina must have said she's willing to have yeah on the paperwork on the paperwork for sure Dr. Pepper asks them to hold hands, and at first I was going to call them out. It was a very not romantic handhold, but then they waffled them. That's Mm -hmm. better. True. And then Dr. Pepper has them say nice things to each other. But a lot of these things that they both said are items that they've already mentioned and said to each other before, so I didn't find any of it too groundbreaking. Gina says, you have gone above and beyond to incorporate yourself into my life helping me in different ways and making sure I'm eating. I appreciate you probably more than you know. You know, like keeping me alive. Yes, we love that. (laughs) Clint says, likewise, I have appreciation for your character, your bravery in trying something new and different. Going through some of my journeys and being open-minded, I appreciate that. You having an entrepreneurial spirit, despite life giving you challenges, says an immense about your character. Dr. Pepper says, it sounds like if you two weren't married, you'd have a lot to miss. And then she does movie recommendations because this that's was, this where was we're at. Not, um, not expected. Not expected. The movies were not expected. I didn't think it was needed. I mean, are we so low that we are making them look at other romantic things saying this could be you? Well, <laughs> you we're having them look at couples that aren't real couples. Yeah. To work on things. Hmm. Okay. Two out of the four couples, you could barely describe them as friends. Yeah. And they are trying so hard to convince us that maybe something can be a thing. We are awful at matching. <laughs> then Shaq and Kirsten meet with Devon. The conversation opens with Kirsten saying that it's all just a big miscommunication about telling her at the end what his expectations were instead of at the beginning. Shaq explains that he, at certain times, does not feel supported in the marriage. He is pushed to say yes or no, so he finally says no. He does not feel supported in the marriage. 
And Kirsten says that she does feel like she's giving support. Devon talks about how unspoken expectations and how it causes a wedge as you hold someone to those expectations. And I loved that. People need to know what you're expecting. And I mean, they can't really face the consequences of not meeting your unexpected expectation, if that makes sense. Love Devon, love the advice. But again, it's still interesting to me that they haven't talked about things like this. No. Like, what do you need? Like, even initially, you might have the conversation of, um, you've obviously been in prior relationships. What did you think worked and didn't work from previous ones? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you need from me to like make sure this is a a we have the best chance to make this work? Like, how wh- how is that not one of the initial conversations of this whole thing between you two? Okay, Shaq finally talks about what support means to him, and it's still a little bit gray to me. So, I want to know what you think. Shaq says support to him means being invested in who I am. I want you to see me in my zone and doing something I love to do so you can appreciate when I go off to work. I wanted you there just because I wanted to show off my wife, but to see a part of me you haven't seen yet. To me, that translated to, I just want you to be a part of me, be a part of my life, be interested in who I am. I get that, but every work trip, like I keep going back to that, like that, the only way she can show support is being your side piece at these trips. I just wonder if Shaq had this dream or fantasy of what having a wife was going to be like and all of that, but not only how it related to him in his professional side, Mm -hmm. right? I'm going to have my wife next to me. She's going to be there next to me on these trips to do whatever, whatever I do on these trips. <laughs> and I don't know either. Kirsten's not really into the work trips, which I don't blame you. I mean, they are work trips, Yeah. but you're also doing your own thing. You have a career in some ways. I wish Kirsten spoke for herself or spoke up and said, I can't go on all these work trips. Like I have my own career. I can't just take entire weekends off when I could be selling. That's the point of my job. But I really wish he could give us an example. He's saying, show support, be involved. Okay, but what does that look like? What actual action is that? Is it truly just being there at every work trip? Or is it, I don't know, I, just, I feel like it has to be more than that, right? It has to be. Kristen does point out that she went with him to the Jackson trip. I don't count that because she was forced to go. And then on the first trip that he asked her to go, she didn't go. So I don't know. I mean, the Jackson trip was the second day of knowing each other. Yeah. And he just told her that she's going. So I don't, I don't really count that. Mm, kind of goes back to Eris's point. Be assertive. Kristen explains that she feels like she's there for him. She asks about his papers and that she doesn't know if he recognizes that as support. As Shaq is trying to kind of counter that argument, Devon quickly stops him and says, it sounds like you're diminishing her support. And that alone doesn't motivate her to show you more support. Very good point. I love that. Goes with the unspoken expectations. Yeah, if you don't get some positive reinforcement, your want to do something is only going to diminish. Devon tells them to take the pressure off each other and that their own narratives will work against their marriage. Last but not least, we have Chris and Nicole meeting with Pastor Cal. Nicole talks about how there's a part of her that thinks, he didn't pick me. He was chosen by experts, but he did not pick me. Pastor Cal stopped her right there and said that she needed to stop. That he did pick her. That they went through a lengthy process. And even before he met her, he did in fact pick her. You could tell early on. When Pastor Cal was going to go the route of, there is a level of of self-sabotage within Nicole. Like she's looking for an out. She's looking for the thing that she doesn't like about something or Chris so that she could cleanly end it. Be like, yep, that's the reason it won't work. She's following old habits, old patterns. So this is what happened before. He couldn't possibly just like you for who you are. We got to just end it before it's too late. Chris again asks, is there something I could be doing differently? You just have to let me know. 
Nicole explains that asking alone is more care than anyone else has put into this. And Nicole asks, do you feel this is one-sided? Chris explains no. He says, I'm blown away by her every day. I know I can trust her. Pastor Cal asks, do you love her? And Chris says, honestly, I do. I do love her. The L word, it was said. Finally, one couple loves each other. It's amazing. They held out for a very long time. It was good to see it. I'm happy for them. Nicole didn't say it back. Not initially, which I thought was weird. She just said, aw. And then at the end of the conversation, she says, I love you. And he says, I love you too. I mean, I hope it works out for them. I really do. I think Nicole is doing good work on herself. At the very minimum, she's identifying these things that may be problematic, that she realizes may be self-sabotage. So hopefully that means the next step in identifying is then taking the steps to resolve that. I mean, I say after that point, they're good to go. No, I think they're doing great. And I wonder if in these final two weeks, they're going to get the treatment where it's going so good that they'll have issues on like some random shit that there's, <laughs> yeah. no, it, there's no way we'll have any impact uh, in their decision making. Yeah. Only next time on, it is your favorite of every season. The couple's retreat. Let's go. I don't know if it's going to be super spicy because I don't feel like people are very close. Correct. They're not too invested. So if you're not that invested, like what are the real repercussions that could happen? Yeah. The guys put on a fashion show, which all I can think of on the office when they were like fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at lunch. (laughs) That's what I assume is happening here. They all look pretty sharp, but I wish they did one where... You dress like another dude and guess who the dude is. And someone just wears like a tank top and it's Chris. (laughs) It's definitely Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Someone wears a Jamaica shirt. It's Clint. So on and so forth. (laughs) They do a bunch of activities together. We see Chris leaving sweet notes for Nicole. Bears come to check out the property and Clint thinks this is a great time to go outside and hang out with them. More feelings are being talked about and everyone hates each other. Everyone hates their spouse. So it'll be a good time. I can't wait. It's always my favorite episode just because everyone gets together. They're remote. It's not where you've been before. So you get to share all these experiences. Usually there's some pretty okay activities, but we have in the past seen seasons where some of the biggest moments are at the the get together. Anything else this episode? No, I thought it was pretty good. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Again, apologies it's a little late, but thank you for tuning in. I hope you all have a good week. Do something for yourself and take care. We'll talk to you soon. See you later.